This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Massive Acts of Conscience. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. The words of Martin Luther King Jr. in his final Sunday sermon, not what is popular, not what is expedient, but what is right. Massive acts of conscience are what this moment 56 years later so desperately demands of us. This week, Trump promised the Supreme Court chaos and bedlam if they dare to uphold the Constitution and bar him from office as Section 3 demands. In the latest episode of The Trump Show, E. Jean Carroll edition, Trump told Judge Lewis Kaplan that he would love to be thrown out of court before behaving like a spoiled child in a federal courtroom, antics that should have any defendant thrown out or held in contempt. He went on to declare on Untruth Social that presidents must have total immunity, even if their actions cross the line. In legal briefs, in person, and in his lunatic social media rants, he is tempting our system of law and the men and women who uphold it to not do the very thing that will save us from him. Engaging in those massive acts of conscience may seem hard now, but any temporary upheaval from laying down the law, whether it's the long overdue pretrial detention for Donald Trump or barring him from the ballot, will pale in comparison to the real chaos and bedlam awaiting us if we fail to. My guest today is very steeped in all of these matters. My friend, Washington Bureau Chief for Mother Jones, David Korn. David, welcome back to Lights On. Good to be with you, Jessica. David, um, I know you've been writing recently um, for Mother Jones and in your newsletter about just the horror that is awaiting us in a Trump 2.0. And we have these legal guardrails set up to keep us from a second Trump presidency. Um, What are your thoughts on what we're experiencing right now with Donald Trump really testing the legal system to just fail in every instance to guard us from what he promises to rain down on democracy, God forbid we give him the chance again. Well, I think Donald Trump is a one-man stress test for the American Republic. We have a lot of laws set up. We have a lot of rules set up. We have guidelines. We have norms. Um, but they all have to be implemented and or respected for them to do their job of preserving and safeguarding American democracy. And as we've seen in numerous instances over the last eight years, that's not always an easy thing to do. You know, Trump is running for president. He is an ex-president, and he is using the criminal system, the court system, the judiciary, uh, which he is fully engaged with, as another campaign platform. So when he's in, you know, when he's appearing before judges, he is defying their authority and define traditions in the way he's behaving and acting and demanding that he be able to say this or say that. And it's understandable that judges, uh, while they are trying to preserve order in their courtroom, 
also would give someone like that a little more leeway. Uh, they don't want to be seen as political. They don't want the prosecutions or the civil cases to be seen as political acts, which is what Donald Trump is trying to make them appear. He's using them as campaign ads. So they you know, are, are in this awkward spot of having to give him a little more leeway, or sometimes a lot more leeway, than they would a normal defendant, while at the same time being accused of persecuting him unfairly, through, you know, as a as a as a tool or lackey of some deep state conspiracy aimed against Donald Trump, and you know our system is more or less designed to be run and and, and to be set up as something we kind of just you know have, have a baseline respect for. You stand up when a judge enters the courtroom. You you don't if, if a judge instructs you not to say something in court, you don't say it because you could be held in contempt. Uh, but in these instances, judges, you know, don't want to open yet another front with Trump by holding him in, in contempt. So he is really pushing the limits. And in, in these instances, in sort of, you know, I would say not very extreme ways, but, but important ways, while he's presenting extreme legal arguments, claiming that if he were president again, he could order the assassination of a political rival and not be subject to criminal prosecution unless first convicted of impeach in an impeachment proceeding. I mean, no one buys that. No one believes that. It's a cockamaming legal strategy with so many absurd holes within it. Yet he's out there saying this, and tens of millions of Americans are not turned off by this. And it's news for a couple of days. And then we turn to the, you know, turn back to the horse race. And the front page story on the day that we're talking here is whether Donald Trump, a front page story in the New York Times, is whether Donald Trump can wrap up this GOP primary in a short period or a long period. As if this is a normal contest and if the results of him winning would be normal results. Well, it's absolutely nothing, anything but normal. And this is why, David, I think, and having, and I, and I bring this perspective as someone who has litigated against this man for going on seven years. So I know his tactics. I have dealt with them in a court of law and yes. I have pushed back on his temptation to not enforce the law, to not know what my own rights were time after time. And the answer in my mind with somebody like Donald Trump, especially because he's running for president, especially because he's literally using this can candidacy, like I say, almost every week as his criminal impunity plan. I mean, that's what his presidential can candidacy is. Let's be real. It's not because he wants to serve the American people. It's because he wants to not be held accountable for his multitude of crimes. So, I thought you were going to say it's because he doesn't want to serve time. That too. <laughs> that we can we can start rhyming again. I love to do that right. here. <laughs> um, but in a case like this, I think that you do not let him push the limit. You understand what he's doing. You help the American people by 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 treating him the same way that anyone else would be treated. I mean, I go back back when I was just advocating for him to be prosecuted. I would tell people. I mean, think about what you or your family member might go through for having a few unpaid parking tickets for some minor misdemeanor for, you know, what people go through for a shoplifting offense. 
This man has 91 criminal counts pending, and he's out there threatening witnesses, pushing uh, the limits with judges, um, you know, defaming a woman 28 times after he's been already held liable of sexual assault and uh, held, you know, responsible for defaming her. And he just goes on and on. The answer to me in this is not appeasement. It's it's quick and more assertive consequences for this man. And that goes further, more quickly, to showing the public writ large what a criminal he is by treating him how his criminal behavior demands that we treat him. It, it, yeah, it I, hastens I, getting, getting us to the normalcy, the sanity that we're all so desperately demanding or you know, needing in our lives where he's treated the way he should be treated. Um. It's it, one can't argue with that. That is the way things should work. I don't fault judges for feeling that these cases are different and require a different approach. Um, you know, Donald Trump is indeed trying to make everything into a reality show with him as the star. When he says, I would love it for you to kick me out, he would love to be sentenced to a day in jail for contempt. It would, you know, the money would pour in. Nikki Haley would drop to 5% in the polls. Uh, he, you know, he, 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 this is all about, you know, theatrics for him. I know the, you know, the proper response is we don't let him get away with that. But there are some things in, in here that are, are, are almost unpre, unpreventable, right? You can lock him up for, um, you know, for contempt for a couple of days, he comes back out, everything goes back to where it is, except he's now stronger and act and is more the martyr and more the persecuted fellow and MAGA world is more up in arms. And we shouldn't allow ourselves to be hindered or hampered or restrained by what extremists do or say. But I, I still am sympathetic to judges who want to try to impose as much normalcy as they can on some of these proceedings, but 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 even to get past this a bit, we see what he's doing in these in these court cases, and it's obviously a prelude to what would happen should he return to the White House. And you know, to me, I you know, I, I don't worry so much about him ordering the assassination of political rivals, which he you know you know has reserved the right to do so. But he and the people around him, aides and, and, and supporters, have told us quite publicly, and this is sort of the wonder of it, it's not a secret, that they intend to come into the federal government and essentially create a loyalty oath. The people, the tens of thousands of civil servants, in, in, environmental lawyers at the EPA, research scientists at the NIH, analysts at the State Department, that everybody is going to essentially have to pledge a loyalty oath to Donald Trump. They want to change the system so that anybody who works within the federal government can be fired immediately by a political appointee or the White House for muttering something negative about Donald Trump, for not endorsing his crazy ideas, let's bomb Mexico, whatever they might be. Um, and so it's this idea of basically transcending the rule of law and creating not a one-party state, but a one-man state that's, that's, that, that, that pledges fealty not to a set of principles, 
I mean, often in one party states, there's ideology that you that that's important. But in this instance, there's no ideology here. It's about Trump and the power of Trump. And they have clearly laid out that they will destroy any guardrails against these abuses of power, that he will use the Justice Department to do what he claims is being done to him, that is to prosecute and persecute all sorts of foes, including people who used to work for him in the first administration, who on his list, his, his target list for the Justice Department, people like John Kelly and, 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 and others who once worked for him. And it's the wrath of Trump, this guy, I've written this story too many times, his three biggest motivators in life seem to be revenge, revenge, revenge. And he wants to use that not just against individuals, but against the whole swath of the country that won't accept him as literally its king. Absolutely. And you're talking about loyalty oaths. You're talking about revenge. And those are two things that, David, oh, my God, I know so, so uh, tragically personally about this man and how he deals. Um, just yesterday, in my case, of course, we invalidated these ludicrous non-disclosure agreements that Trump had all his staffers sign. Yeah. I did that um, last year. We, we, we completed that. The part of that case that's ongoing for me is the retaliation part, the part that actually um, asks for damages for the harm that he inflicted personally on, on me and my life. And believe me, it was life altering. Um, but in this sequence of motions that we filed, um, his campaign came out with a very, very candid admission um, a, a few years ago um, as to the purpose of these NDAs. And, you know, Donald Trump now, he talks so much about election interference, how all these prosecutors and the Biden administration is engaged in election interference against political opponents because uh, he's running for office and they're trying to silence him or, um, you know, take away his rights. Well, let me show you some real election interference. This is the statement of Trump campaign attorney Alex Cannon in my case, letting them know how much they appreciated engaging in election interference. He said, following the 2016 presidential election, the campaign wanted it to be known that it fully intended to enforce its contractual confidentiality and non-disparagement rights because scandalous or embarrassing leaks of certain private and sensitive information distract from and cause great damage to a campaign's messaging and reflect poorly on the candidate. Here, President Trump, who was in his first term of office and eligible for re-election. Um, of course, those quote-unquote confidentiality and non-disparagement rights were the terms of a completely illegal NDA that was, as you're describing, David, essentially just a loyalty oath that you swore mm -hmm. were sworn to secrecy for life and could never criticize this man. Um, but he tried it. He tried it with these NDAs. That was a preview. Um, I persisted with the legal system to absolutely annihilate them, but... Um, Yes, that is his M.O., and he will try it in every which way again um, to take away anybody's ability to criticize him, to challenge him. And as you're mentioning, he uses this as retribution for people who used to work for him, right? For people who used yeah. to be on, on his team and in his effort to supposedly serve the American people. This is what his supporters and anybody aligned with him right now need to understand. There will come a point in your life when your interests no longer align with his interests. When you realize there is something that you need to do to save your life or your conscience or your family or something very dear to you, and it will come in conflict 
with his pursuit of power. And guess who's going to win in that pursuit if you let him be in power? He's going to win. He's going to trample all over your rights. I don't mean that he's going to win ultimately. You can defeat him, but he will try. And you will have given him these reins of power to take away your rights. Not those so-called enemies out there, not those deep, quote unquote, deep state, bad Democrat commies, but your rights, your, you, the supporters of Donald Trump, your rights will be taken away when you least expect it. You know, sometimes I, I think it's easy to, to lose sight of how far we've come or how far we've descended. You know, everyone likes to use the, um, the frog in the boiling water metaphor. That you know, if you put a frog in a in a pot of boiling water, it will jump out. But if you keep the frog in tepid water and you turn up the heat, it will boil to death. Now that's not true. A frog will try to get out of a pot of water if it feels uncomfortable. But it's such a compelling metaphor that we keep using it over and over again. And like here we are, eight years into this pot, the Donald Trump pot, and the water temperature keeps getting higher. I mean, we, we've passed boiling and it's just somehow through some freak of physics keeps getting hotter and hotter and boiling more and more and more. And um, we, you know, and we become normalized to the point where, you know, if you think any other candidate 10 years ago had said that he had the right to, uh, to assassinate a political foe and escape criminal proceedings, you would just kind of laugh and say, that's, you know, crazy. This must be, you know, a, a fringe third party presidential candidate who should probably be under psychiatric care, you know, and yet we see this with Trump again and again and again, to finding deviancy downward, you know, the lowering of all possible standards, you know, his, 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 his audience, his supporters, just lapping it up. The more extreme he is, the more he shows he can defy the system and the rules and the traditions. And they like that. They like the chaos. They like the disruption. They like the the, the lack of of honor or the lack of even decency. Just decency, making fun of people because they stutter or because they have uh, an illness. I mean, in 72, um, Senator Edmund Muskie was driven out of the pres Democratic presidential primary because people thought he cried during a campaign rally. Uh, he claims he got snow in his eye, but that he was crying about being attacked. And that was enough to doom his campaign. Howard Dean made a pirate sound. You know, we're going on to New Hampshire, wherever. Arrgh! And that was enough to doom his campaign. <laughs> I miss I mean, those days, David. We've seen this again and again. And here's a guy, you know, eight years ago, he said, I could shoot someone in the street and people would still love me. And we all the consternation we had, how can this person be presidential material? And now we're down the road where he says, not only could I do it, I could get away with it. You know, and, 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 and we're, we, you know, those of us watching, you know, it's hard not to feel like the goddamn frog. Like, how much hotter can this be? How much, you know, 30,000 misrepresentations or lies told by Donald Trump during his White House years. I mean, 
you know, Richard Nixon told a few lies and he had to leave the, you know, leave the office, he had to resign because of that. I mean, it seems to me once you get over, I don't know, 339 lies, the other 27,000, whatever, 29,700 don't matter anymore. It's like, yo, we know the guy's a liar. He says things that are not true. He doesn't abide by the law. And it yet, you know, doesn't slow him down in terms of his standing with the Republican base and his ability to appeal to not all, but to some independents and enough to make him competitive against Joe Biden in a re-election rematch, in an election rematch. So um, it's, you know, I, people ask me all the time, what is the answer here? And I'm frankly stymied in the sense I don't know what it is. I know politically what the strategy is. The strategy has to be to get all the folks out there who see him for what he is, um, for, the, for the lying demagoguery, narcissism, and, 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 and abuse of power, and want to be autocrat, authoritarian, demagogue, which, which makes up a majority of the country to band together, put political differences or policy differences aside and say, this, this man and his movement threaten the constitutional order, as we saw on January 6th, and the most important priority we have is to prevent that from happening again. And if we do, then we can go back to arguing about tax policy, what to do about climate change, whether you know, whether to fund Ukraine or not, all these other things that generally we would otherwise be having substantive debates over. Um, and I, there, you know, there's a, there's a majority of people who do see him in that way. It's not a majority of people who are energized or mobilized, and that's the problem. Um, I think a lot more people are happy there are more NFL playoff games today. Then they are worried about federal loyalty. Unfortunately, in, unfortunately, in, in second, yeah, in a second Trump term. So, yeah. the, so the the mission of folks, I think, is less about persuading Trump supporters they're wrong or they've been duped. Or and they misled. still, David, we still have to realize. We first of all, we have to realize there is attrition in that base. I am living proof yeah. of it. We had a guest last week who was living proof of it. She's a January sixth defendant. I mean, there are I don't know how many thousands of testimonials came out in twenty twenty of former Trump supporters that had changed their mind. There is attrition to that base. Okay, that is it is totally a fallacy to believe for a second that that base is impenetrable. It is, but also um, dying. I mean, it's, yes. it, it, the people who voted for Trump <laughs> versus the people who voted for Biden in 2020 are older and they yes. live in less healthy zip codes. Those are just facts. <laughs> so one would assume that four years down the road, there's more there's more of the total attrition. Yeah. The final attrition on yeah. one side of that equation than the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I, so anyway, there's that. It's the minority. I mean, it's it seems for, for you and me, people like us who are living, breathing this news every day, it seems um, like this movement is alive and well. It is still a loud minority, David. You know, it is not this does not represent us. Iowa caucus goers that are Republicans do not represent this country, not by a large 
you know, margin. But um, absolutely, I mean, that the, the fact that any of any of our you know, 30%, whatever percentage it is, is way too much to be brainwashed into a cult that follows this man like some kind of God. Um, but, you know, what I find far much, far more cynical and disturbing than his followers, who we understand are are brainwashed and misled by right-wing media 24-7, is people like the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, <laughs> who go out there and uh and basically you know let us know that people like him are gonna would support trump all over again and uh, you know who would we who we would expect to be an educated person who knows better and what a threat this man is to our democracy but no um for people like him or let's just say for him um his bottom line is what he cares about and in his in his mind his bottom line is better off with donald trump uh extremely cynical and telling don't you think yeah, it, it, it's quite sad. I mean, it's it's you know, the Republicans um, have always promised to the business class tax cuts and less or no regulation. That's what they want. And then you know they you know the business class may not you know may not be along along for the ride in terms of social issues, whether banning books or or taking away women's. Uh, freedom over their own bodies, uh, they, they may actually believe in a social safety net of some sort and money for education and healthcare and things like that. But they always appeal to them by saying, hey, we will make sure your bottom line looks better. We will have less regulation of monopolies. We will let, you know, we'll let you pollute more. We won't care about workplace safety. We'll help you bust unions. And that's usually been enough to get them to side with Republicans, no matter what else is on the Republican agenda. Now, I think that has become a little frayed under the Trump years, uh, but as Jamie Dimon showed just this week, you know, attacking Democrats for being too hard on MAGA Republicans, that 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 appeal can still be used um and you know it's 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 again discouraging and to me i i see one issue in this election and that's whether you want to vote to protect the american political system or not and everything comes after that but i it looks as if some of folks like jamie diamond and others still would put the bottom line of their own businesses or maybe their own personal wealth ahead of that overarching concern. And of course, you know, we see historical antecedents for this. Uh, you know, it's easy, and I, and I don't like to do this, you know, too readily, to go back and look at how the, the, the industrialists of Germany in the 30s uh, you know, wanted Hitler because he would beat up and keep at bay the you know, the threat from the left, being the communists, and saw him as a as, as somewhat of a erratic, nutty leader, but with a following that they thought they could use to protect their own interests. And you know, we 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 see what what happened there. Uh, we see here politically how 
establishment Republicans, John Boehner, Kevin McCarthy, thought they could use this radicalized extreme political movement, the Tea Party or MAGA movement Trumpism, to advance their political interests and ended up being swallowed alive and eaten, chewed up, spat out, whatever you want to call it, by the very forces that they thought they were in charge of. So uh, my advice to Jamie Dimon is, you know, I don't know how long you expect to live yourself, but if you care about <laughs> your kids and grandkids, yeah. to really think twice about which side you're placing your money on and what is best in the long in the long run, even yeah. for your businesses, but also for your legacy and the people that you that you're going to be leaving behind. Yeah, well, that really kind of wraps two themes together um, into one, David, because I think all of these, whether we're looking at the courts, in my opinion, who are not being who are, you know, placating or appeasing Trump think they are in the short term to avoid, you know, what he's threatening is chaos and bedlam now, um, you know, the chaos and bedlam that we're really going to see um, is when and if we let this man return uh, to the White House or, or you know, um, not even return to the White House. This is a theme I brought up last on last week's show. I mean, with, with this concept of letting him remain on the ballot, um, if he does in fact become the nominee and lose to Biden, I feel like David, far too many people are talking about, or far, too few people are talking about the possibility of another January 6th. I mean, do we really think that he's going to lose again and this time just accept the results? I mean, I, I think there is potential for violence, you know, from now until Election Day and certainly from Election Day to the inauguration if Trump doesn't win. Uh, you have people on the right who have started a movement called Guard the Vote in which they seem to be recruiting poll watchers who in some states can show up armed to watch over, you know, what's happening on the vote. Now they're there, they say to protect the integrity, but it sounds like classic voter intimidation. intimidation. And, and, and once you have people with weaponry at polling places who are not law enforcement officers, it seems to me that's a, that's a tinderbox right there and then um, for possible violence and of course that you know can happen throughout various court proceedings if trump should happen to be, you know i don't know if we'll get when or if we'll get to trials but if any trial finishes before the election and trump ends up being convicted i could see that sparking violence i mean trump is it's a kind of a fancy word but you know it, it engages in what's called stochastic terrorism Stochastic, S-T-O-C-A-C-H-A-S-T-I-C, if you want to look it up. And it's a, you know, it's a term come up by fancy terrorism and law enforcement experts for someone who like basically puts a target on someone else's back. You dehumanize another party, you, 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 you demonize them, and, and you, when you know that there are people out there who are prone to violence, who could pick up on your cues and thus act on them while you are sitting home alone, drinking, you know, drinking your brandy and smoking your cigar or eating takeout Chinese, whatever it is you might be doing, and you're a million miles away from this act of violence. I mean, Trump, by the way he attacks 
whether it's Fonnie Willis, uh, the DA in Georgia, or Jack Smith, or the judges, or Alvin Bragg. I mean, he does so often using violent, dehumanizing rhetoric. These people are animals. He does that particularly if the person happens to be black. Uh, and, you know, we can't let them, you know, destroy our country. They're coming at me, but they're really coming at you. I mean, you can't really signal any, any, any more obviously that you'd like someone to take a shot or do something. It's, you know, that famous line, who will rid me of this turbulent priest? Uh, he's basically begging people, his supporters, to make life difficult for Jack Smith and others. And we do see already, we see the judges being swatted. If you don't know what that is. So terrifying. We talked about it last week. So okay, scary. So your, your people know what swatting is. We see prosecutors, others being doxxed. We saw the clerk to the judge in the civil fraud case be identified as, wow, what was it, Chuck Schumer's girlfriend or something, but in a way that put a target on her back and she's just not Chuck Schumer's actual girlfriend, but his falsely yeah. alleged girlfriend by Donald Trump, right? right? The clerk of right, exactly. uh, Judge and Goran's and so, clerk, right? So this is called stochastic terrorism. That's the, yeah. the, 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 the vocabulary word of the day here. And, um, and, and, and Trump, you know, you know, will keep doing this. And, 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 and we can see, I, I wrote about this in my newsletter, which is called our land, go to davidcorn.com sign up for a free trial subscription. I'm supposed to say that every time I'm on a podcast. And but yeah, we, by we, the we way, see... I get David's I get David's uh pieces from our land and they're excellent from you know from his one-on-ones with Norman Lear to the Middle East to you know MAGA extremism. Yeah. Very, very thoughtful uh pieces in our land. So highly well, recommend thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And in recent one I was just thinking, you know, he is getting more extreme. This notion that he can kill a rival and get away with it, which a lawyer brought up, you know, and you can think of it, oh, that's just that I've got a theoretical point you make when you're making a legal argument. Well, as you noted at the top, just a day or two back, Trump himself put out a, a, media, a, a, a social media post in which he says it's necessary even to cross the line. I can do anything as president and be immune. Um, so we see this ratcheting up, and we still have 10 months to go to the election. Uh, so I do fear, you know, not necessarily another January 6th. I fear, I don't know, a June 6th, an October, you know, September 6th, an October 6th, you know, that, that something happens before we even get to the, uh, to the election, let alone what happens if. Trump again is a capital L loser um, yeah. in the election. Yeah, well, David, we've had guests on like Frank Fogluzzi, um talking about stochastic terrorism at length. And one thing from, from a discussion I had with him that always sticks with me is, mm -hmm. yes, we have these lone wolf stochastic terrorist, terrorism events out there that are inspired by Donald Trump. But, um, you know, Frank reminded me that you have never seen, you know, Donald Trump promised these massive protests when he was indicted uh, in New York, in Florida, you know, in D.C. He promised chaos and bedlam, in fact, <laughs> leading up to him being held accountable. And you didn't see that. 
You didn't see that. Why Frank reminded me? Because of the accountability, because yeah. of how the law came down on those January 6th insurrectionists. That is why I am constantly beating the drum on the need for full accountability, not playing a special game with Donald Trump's treating him like some special person, because when you when law enforcement shows that with him, his supporters see it. Those potential stochastic terrorists out there see it. They mm -hmm. see the law coming down. And what is the function of the law? Deterrence. That's the whole friggin' function of our legal system is to deter people from engaging in crimes, but through punishment, through penalty, through punitive measures. So, well, that's um, a smart you know, point. And, I, and, I, and I meant to say that. I mean, we, we you know, there have been hundreds, I mean, over a thousand now of people who've been prosecuted, and almost all of them either plea, you know, pleading out or being found guilty from January 6th. And we do know. Um, in the last few years, when there have been calls for rallies to support Trump that might, you know, become violent, that there are people within chat groups and others and other other forums that say, wait a second, this is a trap. They want to do this so they can arrest more of us. So it has put, you know, a, somewhat of a fear into some of the extremists um, about mounting another January 6th type event but um so i think the bar might might have been raised a bit for these folks i still think that if trump loses he will try to do something of of, of this in this elk and it'll be interesting to see at that point to what degree um his folks rally because remember i mean you know, you know, a couple tens of a couple tens of thousands came to the rally on January six, and it was you know only a, you know several thousand, a big group, but it wasn't everybody who came in and caused that much chaos. Which shows kind of two things: that it's not a gigantic segment of the population that's willing to do this for Trump, but that also it doesn't take all that many people to threaten our system. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I want to kind of move to um, Donald Trump's pathetic defenders in Congress, David, and uh, they're literally <laughs> must we must we? I mean, we are facing these. You know, this is what this is this is what we have. Oh my God! In the House of Representatives, we have an opportunity to take it back. Though, my God, we got to take it back. Um, right now, we've got Mike Johnson. Um, <clears throat> basically uh where do we even begin with this man where to begin i'm i'm just i can't get out of my head this clip um from laura ingram where she, she says that she just talked to donald trump and and uh mike johnson is um confirming that yeah in fact he's just getting his orders from donald trump so we basically got donald trump also a speaker of the house but uh, Democrats came in, saved the day once again, um, averting a shutdown. Um, we have another continuing resolution that's carrying the government um, into March. Uh, but even with this, um, the you know the extremists, the MAGA extremists, are threatening a motion to vacate poor Mike Johnson. <laughs> Not really poor. <laughs> yes. um, if he dares, you know, do a Ukraine border bill. Um, 
It's just well, he's total said, brinksmanship I mean, yeah. with these people. And he has said, Mike, Mike Johnson, you know, who has, what, a two, three-person majority in the House, while the Senate's controlled by Democrats and the White House is controlled by Democrats, he has said that he's unwilling to negotiate, that the the bill that the, the Republicans passed in the House, you know, their, their strict stern over-the-top immigration policy bill, that it's that or nothing, uh, because he doesn't want to give Joe Biden a bipartisan compromise win. Biden, somewhat pissing off some of his liberal supporters, uh, you know, had, had, had agreed to certain provisions in this immigration measure that's being negotiated in the Senate between Democrats and Republicans. We have stuff that both sides like and stuff both sides don't like, the way that you know we used to do things here in Washington. And Mike Johnson has said no. He won't, won't go along with that. And as I noted, they, one reason is they don't want to give Biden a victory. They'd rather have the issue. So here they are screaming every day that there's, that there, there, there's a national security threat uh, at the border. And yet, oh, we can wait a year or two until we get Biden out and we come back in. And if we have a majority and it takes us six months to pick a House speaker again, um, you know, we'll get around to it then. You know, I've long, you know, I've been, you know I've, I've been in Washington. Yeah, I've been in Washington too long to start getting, you know, to get upset about hypocrisy. It is just, uh, but, but it, but, but what, 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 what gets me is it's so brazen now. It's really you know, brazen. in years past, the Republicans would get together and they would have a private meeting and they would mm -hmm. say, you know what? We got to act like we're negotiating and we got to draw this out to November. And then, you know, if. Yeah, now Biden they go wins, on Fox News and say, we can't give Biden a win. Yeah, yeah. And if <laughs> Biden wins, then we will we'll do it in the lame duck session because mm -hmm. we won't get anything better. But our goal is not to give him this win. And we're saying that out loud. And we expect that not to rebound against us we expect you know the public and people on fox to be just fine with that um and it's you know it's 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 you know it's irresponsible it's as i said it's brazenly uh hip hypocritical and yet um as of now we'll see what happens in november but as of now there's there's no price to be paid for it and if johnson actually proceeded and tried to just do what it's not as if the Republicans in the Senate are liberal Republicans, you know, like you know, the old, oh no, Bob Dole or Senator Schweiker, Republican, and those guys weren't even that liberal. It's not like being led by moderates, the one moderate or two left, like Susan Collins. No, these are conservative Republicans. So, but the deal that they cut is still not going to be good enough for the House Freedom Caucus. And Lauren, it won't be, it won't pass the Lauren, Lauren Boebert test. That's where we are now. And yeah, this is what House Free, House Freedom Caucus Chairman Bob Good told reporters after the, the CR was voted on to keep the government open. He said, it's a loss for the American people to join hands with Democrats. <laughs> Form a governing yeah. coalition to do what Schumer and the Senate want to do. It's a loss to join hands with Democrats. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't imagine, I don't, I can't believe. I can't think of, I can't recall a time 
when Nancy Pelosi said aloud, you know, we can't work with Republicans because, you know, we don't want them to have any political success. Uh, you know, there may have been moments when it was not right strategically for the Democrats to come together, but I mean, it's that just wasn't part of the, of the, of the Democratic narrative. And now it's like, okay, if you work with Biden, you're working with, you know, with the combination of the deep state, Antifa, radical commies, radical BLMers, um, and people who hate God, and you can't have any of that. It's um, yeah, uh, and yet and, their and work we, is the work of the Antichrist. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> they um, are so, yes, and their their yeah, dear leader embodies it. <laughs> right, um, and 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 there's no as I say, there's no cost for adopting these extreme, absolutist, somewhat insane positions. They go on Fox or OAN or Newsmax, and they're hailed for, you know, being uh, strong pro-Trump MAGAites. Um, it's, 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 it makes it very difficult to run a country as big and as diverse as the United States is, if you stake the, stake out these extremist positions, I don't mean policy positions, but I mean extremist positions in that the other side are literally, you know, demonic um, foes of the of the country, and, and that's how they get away with them. it, David. You know, having having lived in that eco chamber, the, I will tell you that is how they get away with this. This is how this is how I came to support someone like Donald Trump in the first place because they have so demonized the opposition. You think the opposition is so destructive and so harmful to our prospects as a free people that anybody working with them is is waiting in dangerous territory, that the only way to handle these people is to completely shut them out and take them down. And that's how, that's that's the mindset they get their supporters in to justify this extremism, this brinksmanship, this, um, you know, complete lack of bipartisanship and just wanting to burn the house down. They, they convince you that Democrats want to burn it all down um, yeah. And that the people that are they're compromising on I, mean, I remember years back in the Obama administration when, you know, I would look at somebody like John Boehner as as a lightweight and somebody who was giving too much to Obama because they had so demonized the Obama administration that anybody that I could saw as working with him in the slightest bit was soft or was not strong enough or not doing enough to protect us from these evil forces that were the Democrats. That's, that's, that's the framing. And that's how, that's yeah. why yeah. until you are, until you wake up to the light and realize these people are actually the ones that are trying to take away your rights. They're actually the ones that are the deep state and trying to create the deep state with things like Project 2025 and are gonna, you know, really um, turn this country into everything that you fear. Um, until you realize that, you think it's completely inverted. And and to, and to put in a plug in for my my recent book, American Psychosis, what I what I try to do with that book was to show how this theme of um, demonizing the other side 
uh, it goes back to the 50s with McCarthyism. And then it's always been a very strong part of the Republican playbook, you know, that the other side are commies, they're godless, they want to destroy the country. Not that they're wrong. I don't mind someone telling me I'm wrong because I want to do health care this way and they want to do health care that way. But that, you know, my, that my goal is to destroy the nation and all religion and all godless, godliness. Um, and they've been doing this for decades. Trump came along and he made it center stage. He made it the, the, the chief charge. In the past, you know, Republicans like Mitt Romney and George W. Bush, they let others do it for them. They kept it on the side of the GOP, but they certainly reached out and embraced and catered to to that part of their coalition. Trump just put it right in the middle of the stage. That's that's dead center. Put a spotlight on it, threw kerosene on it, lit a match, and I mean, I get you know, fundraising notes from him and his son and others every day. These email solicitations that literally say Joe Biden's goal is to work with Antifa and other radicals to destroy America. And it's just sad because, you know, it's not true, but that 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 would be believed by people or reinforce some of their, you know, some of their animus that that exists already. Um, It it makes it really hard for us to function as as a, a country supposedly indivisible, and uh, but that's what's said and and gets aped and echoed by members of the House, Republican members of the House and in, in, in the Senate, including you know some who believe it, but many who know better. Yeah, it absolutely does. And they're doing, um, they're doing, really, they're doing the bidding of, of the anti-democratic forces, not just in this country, but around the world. Um, You know, stopping this funding for Ukraine is such a clear uh, green light to Vladimir Putin to um, assault our ally who is obviously, I mean, we can reiterate this in so many different ways, not fighting only their own battle. They are fighting our battle on the front lines in Ukraine. And this Republican Party is so explicitly against the cause for democracy around the world. Um, Another issue that I have highlighted here, David, um, that I don't think gets discussed enough and that is really really disturbing me and disturbing a lot of people. And and I think, um, truth be told, falls much more into the electoral discussion in 2024 than, than enough people are acknowledging is what's going on in the Middle East. Um, the extremism of Benjamin Netanyahu, his, um, basically we've got a, you know, a Donald Trump in Benjamin Netanyahu who is um, engaged in this war for, I believe, um, not just um, harming, doing so much harm to the Palestinian people, not bringing his own hostages home, not putting this the uh, Israeli security as his first priority, but creating conflict because conflict benefits somebody like him. Conflict benefits somebody who's under criminal indictment and who wants to um, stay in power at all costs. And um, 
we've had this, you know, seemingly impenetrable support from the Biden administration and it's, and it's costing Biden, especially, I mean, yeah. among Muslim voters, among young voters, um, you know, witnessing this continuing unthinkable massacre of civilians. It's up to nearly 25,000 um, famine, unthinkable suffering, displacement by the millions. Um, something's got to shift with this. Does, does it not? Well, I mean, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, it, it tears me up every day to read about it, think about it, you know, watch um, news coverage video. Um, I mean, there's so many different terrible sides to this to this tragedy that's happening in Gaza, the, 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 the killing of so many journalists and their families, you know, something that as a journalist, you know, I, I identify with. I mean, as horrific as the October 7th attacks were, and they were attacks from a terrorist group that has a, a genocidal agenda in terms of wanting to wipe out and destroy Israel. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I think most people wouldn't deny that. Those who do are, are misguided. Um, but then for that, for that horror, for that tragedy and all the suffering of that day that continues to go on with the uh, holding of the hostages to then cause this 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 massive annihilation of Gaza with you know the deaths of all these civilians and now uh, the collapse of the health uh, care system there and the and and what the UN and other experts are predicting is the start of a of famine of, of a famine uh, it's you know it, 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 it's heartbreaking. And the way it's affecting, you know, events around the world is also, um, you know, depressing and, and, and worrisome. You see what's happening on college campuses. You see how the forces of the right in America have used this, you know, have sort of weaponized anti-Semitism or anti-anti-Semitism to force out some college administrators. These are the same people who don't mind it when... Donald Trump dines with uh, a Nazi neo-Nazis, yeah. Nick Fuentes or Kanye West when he was after he issued uh, uttered anti-Semitic remarks, or Marjorie Taylor Greene going to a white power conference. I mean, we see all the intersections with um, with the, the right and MAGA world and anti-Semitism, and now they're out there, you know, using this as a way to blast liberals in academia. Uh, we see the impact it's having on the 2024 election here with uh, uh, Arab American voters and younger voters um, being turned off to Joe Biden. Um, and I, I fully understand it. And I also fully realize that, you know, we're Trump in this position, we're in the White House now, Netanyahu could be doing even worse. And I mean, I, 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 I we, we hear the stories of Biden and Tony Blinken and others trying to put some restraints on the on the Israeli counterattack here doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence of that of it working or taking a hold but um it's something as a compared to what what Trump would be doing in the meantime plus this is triggering all these other actions the the, the Houthis in Yemen attacking the shipping lanes uh, increased conflict and fighting between Israel and Hezbollah 
up in the north of Israel. Iran has engaged in several uh, missile attacks in the last uh, against several of, of, of its neighbors. So it, it, it seems that there is, you know, each day greater potential for a wider and deeper and, and, and more dangerous conflagration that extends beyond the horrors we see in, in, in Gaza. Um, you know, how we get out of this is is really difficult. I mean, I do think that, you know, the calls for the ceasefire, you know, are more than justified and that, you know, I, I, I would I would like to see the Biden administration, you know, shift to that uh, as soon as possible. But even if you can reach that point, what comes next um, is becoming increasingly harder to to fathom. I mean, just as you know, it's not a surprise, but each, each day. Isn't it, isn't it past time to, for, for the Biden administration to realize that Netanyahu, I mean, we are we are a better yeah. friend to Israel than Netanyahu will ever be. Um, I mean, and I, Netanyahu I, I, is not a friend of democracy. He is not. No, he's not. And I and I and I think that's that's true. Um, I think the you know, Biden working out of a very old conventional model you know, is, is still stuck in this position that, you know, we support Israel and Israel's own decisions. We lean on them once in a while, but ultimately, if you do that too much, you alienate American voters. And, you know, but I think now we, we see in somewhat a generational shift, you know, not as many Americans are buying into that as, as, as they used to. And we also see Netanyahu and other Israeli leaders in, you know, saying increasingly they don't want they don't believe in a two-state solution and basically they have no solution their solution is to what they would call you know say pacify gaza which means turn it into rubble you know you know, get rid of as many palestinians as they can one way or another it seems and i'm not you know i'm not going to get into the is it genocide or not argument because i don't think it's necessary at this point the un can have its debate about this but uh, they, you know, that's they, they, they don't see. They're not interested in a diplomatic solution. They're not interested in a solution that affords the Palestinians in the West Bank or in Gaza uh, you know, a fair shake. And I know, you know, they're they're terrorists and in these groups and the people there want to kill Israel, but the long, you know, destroy Israel. But the long term solution here is obvious that both. People need to be able to live in freedom and, and security and dignity Absolutely. in this very small piece of land. And if you're not aiming towards that, this is what Biden and his folks are doing. Every action should be aiming towards whether it gets us an inch or a centimeter or a nano centimeter meter closer or not. And that's, you know, and, yeah. and, and Netanyahu has just signaled, we don't care. That is not the goal no. that we no, are No, absolutely. He's, he said, you just and, said, from the river to the sea, the same thing that got Palestinian yeah. and Jewish uh, peace protesters yeah. kicked off campuses. Uh, Netanyahu's yeah. out there saying, from the river to the sea, Israel's got to control it. Well, that sure sounds like eradication yeah. of Palestinian rights to me. <laughs> yeah, so, so, um, so if that's what's happening, I think Biden, you know, who's been involved in this issue and has been a very fervent supporter of Israel, you know what, for 40, 50 years now, 
you know, needs to sh shake off some of his previous assumptions. Yeah. Shake and it off it. And, and wake up because I think, I think this is, you know, we can talk euphemisms all day about, you know, getting humanitarian aid in and, you know, the U.S., you know, I hear some of these State Department spokespeople coming out and they say, you know, we, they, they, so, they, they so gently walk this tightrope when questioned about Israel's atrocities in Gaza, about this mass killing of civilians and, you know, talk mm -hmm. about how, you know, they're, they're, want them to take precautions. Well, they're clearly not taking precautions. You know, they're annihilating thousands of people at a time. You know, not the, the, the world is watching and, and sees what is going on, the suffering, the inhumanity. And I think, you know, I, I want to share these hard truths because we are obviously dealing with, um, you know, the prospect of losing our democracy in 2024. We're going to come down to a few states. We have the Electoral yep. College map, um, you know, a few states. This is going to hinge on Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. There are, um, like I said, the Muslim population is obviously um, very upset uh, many of them by these actions, Muslim, previous Muslim supporters of the president have said they wouldn't vote for him. And I don't know if it, I think it might have been you, David, that said, you know, we can have these conversations about how much worse it would be with the Trump. But we're going to have to have these millions of these one on one conversations because the, yeah. the pain is so real. Um, you know, we have a, we have a few months. To, to correct course. And I don't think you can leave the Middle East out of that equation. I think the Biden administration really needs to wake up. It's not just, it's not, not because it's the electoral right thing to do, because, but because it is the right thing to do. And of course, the um, benefit of the support that he needs in places like Michigan um, will come because he has done the right thing. And, and I agree with you, David, it's, it's beyond time for a ceasefire. And that's, it's even what families of hostages and families of people that were killed in those kibbutz on October 7th are calling for an end, an end to this killing. Yeah, I, it, it, pain, it pains me greatly to see that our tax dollars are going for this and to watch, um, you know, an entire nation of Jews, being Jewish myself, you know, fall into this, this black hole of vengeance that's leading to um, the death deaths of thousands and thousands of you know children and, and, and innocents. While you know, I have no problem with trying to wipe out Hamas. This is not a civilized, humane, or I think effective way of of doing this. Uh, it's the cost is just so high, and it's going to take Israel a generation, if not more so, to dig out of the hole it is the deeper hole it is creating for itself and you know to apply that here with biden and and the election um there's yeah i, I mean i assume there are some people he's lost permanently already and to you know prevent further losses by doing the right thing really needs to happen yesterday absolutely i um you know some of the the most clarity and moral strength that I have found in this, you know, the fallout of October 7th, David, is from Jewish voices, from news sources like Haaretz, um, uh, from Jewish journalists. I mean, it's there are plenty of people in Israel. There was a massive protest in Tel Aviv yesterday, um, you know, 
people within Israel and without in the Jewish community are some of the strongest voices of moral clarity on this. And I'm really grateful for them. I want to end us with um, with that that speech at uh, last that I mentioned at the top from Martin Luther King. Of course, Monday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And um, I think this just brings everything together. Um, him talking about these massive acts of conscience and what is demanded of us. So let's leave us with this. Ultimately, a genuine leader is not a such a for consensus, but a mold of consensus on some positions Expedient, a cowardice asks the question, is ex expedient? And then expediency comes along and asks the question, is it politic? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? And conscience asks the question, is it right? And there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular. But he must do it because conscience tells him it is right. And I believe today that that is a need for all people of goodwill to come with a massive act of conscience and say, in the words of the old Negro spiritual, we ain't gonna study war no more. This is the challenge facing modern man. Let me close by saying that we have difficult days ahead in the struggle for justice and peace. But I will not yield to a politic of despair. I'm going to maintain hope as we come to Washington in this campaign. The cards are stacked against us. This time we will really confront a Goliath. God grant that we will be that David of truth set out against the Goliath of injustice, the Goliath of neglect, the Goliath of refusing to deal with the problems, and go on with the determination to make America the truly great America that it is called to be. There's Make America Great, huh? There are different ways to do it, of course. And um, I, I, what I find most encouraging is his admonition to not to yield to despair. Because in some ways, as you know, that's what Trump wants. He wants to be seen as inevitable. He wants to create so much chaos that you can't see where it's coming from where all the incoming is, is is targeted from. You know, he wants the disruption to discourage people because then they stay home, they watch TV, they do other things, they throw up their hands. And when that happens, a small extremist minority has the potential to gain maximum power. Absolutely. Do not be discouraged. Like I said two weeks ago, it's the devil's only tool. If we don't let him use it, he's got nothing. So 
Thank you for that, David. Thank you, David Korn, as always, for joining me on Lights On. And um, yes, everybody definitely go check out David's newsletter, Our Land. How can how can they find Our Land and subscribe? Um, go to davidcorn.com on that internet thing and <laughs> give you a to sign up. And um, you should start getting it pretty soon. Uh, there's an abridged version, but of course we want people to sign up for the premium version, which costs a couple dollars a month because that allows it. me to keep, keep producing it. If we don't have people who do that, it, it just won't happen. And of course, check out motherjones.com and you can find me at Twitter while Twitter still exists at David Korn DC. Absolutely. You're one of my favorite follows there. And uh, as always, best regards to your doggy who we got to hear at the beginning. <laughs> she appreciates you, it. I'll talk to you soon, Jessica. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us today on Lights On. As always, um, would you please, if you can, support my legal fund at thejessicadenson.com slash donate, thejessicadenson.com slash donate. As I mentioned, we uh, filed a very important motion just yesterday and are very much in the throes of that to hold the Trump campaign accountable. You can always support this show for free by subscribing to um, my YouTube page, Jessica Denson, and also go to wherever you get your audio podcasts and subscribe to Lights On with Jessica Denson. It really hopes, helps if you subscribe there, even if you're watching on YouTube, vice versa. If you're watching um, or listening on, on audio, come over and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Jessica Denson. Leave a rating, a review on both platforms. Um, we would love that and appreciate it so much. Um, I just wanted to share a comment that I heard earlier in the week um, from America Ferrara, who won an award at the Critics' Choice Awards for um, her body of work. It's called the See Her Award. And you know I have been very candid on this show about um, how my story has not been properly told and represented. And I just wanted to put out a reminder um, in the words of America Ferrara. She said, unabashedly telling female stories does not diminish your powers, it expands them. So that's my message to the media out there. Reminder that uh, this story of this woman who defeated Donald Trump is vital for the American people to know and telling that story will only expand your power. I most certainly, I continue telling it myself. Thank you everybody uh, for joining me and David Korn today. Have a wonderful weekend and let your light shine.